the purpose, the main purpose of this seminar is actually establish the fact that what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave is the highest spiritual information. From various ways that has been established. One way it has been established is by Srila Sanatan Goswami's Brihad Bhagavatamritam. In two parts of Brihad Bhagavatamritam, it has been established that Vrindavan is the topmost region of the spiritual sky. And Krishna, the son of Nanda Maharaj, is the original Supreme Personality of God. The Lord has many incarnations, innumerable. Avatarahi Asankhayo. There are innumerable incarnations or avatars of the Lord. But Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. But Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of God. From whom other incarnations have expanded. This also has been pointed out in Brahma Samhita. That Govindam Adi Purusham. The Adi Purusha. Also at the beginning of Brahma Samhita, Sarva Karana Karanam, the cause of all causes is Krishna. He is the cause of even the incarnations. Krishna is the cause of all the incarnations also. So that is established by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. And who is the better that who is better? Then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to establish that fact. Because he is Krishna himself. Krishna himself came to make us understand who is Krishna. Krishna did that in Bhagavad Gita, but he did that uh, being the Lord himself. The Lord himself is speaking about himself. Uh, in Bhagavad Gita. Therefore, he is not presenting it so clearly because one hesitates to speak so much about oneself. But when he came as a devotee, he is revealing the actual identity of Krishna. And this original Krishna being the Adi Purusham. Krishna being the supreme, supreme personality of Godhead, Krishna being the, being the source of all incarnations uh, has been established in Brahma Samhita as Deeparachirevahi Dasantaram Abhupetya Deepayate Bibritahetu Samana Dharma That is just as one lamp lights the other lamps and when the lamps are lit, all the lamps give out the same amount of light and heat. 
samana dharma. There is no difference between the first lamp and other lamps. But the first lamp is the one that lit all the other lamps. It's an, it's an example. Example is to make us understand the thing clearly. Example shouldn't be taken literally. Through the example we must try to understand the purpose of that example. Deparchi Revahin, just as a lamp is, one lamp lights the other lamp, that doesn't mean Krishna is a lamp. <laughs> but the example is being given, just as one lamp lights the other lamps. Once the lamps are lit, all are giving the same amount of light and heat. But the first lamp is the lamp that all that lit all the other lamps. So Krishna, there is no difference between Krishna and his incarnation. They are also supreme personality of Godhead. But they all are originating from Krishna. There is no difference. Another example can be given this way. Just as one sun uh, becomes many. Sun uh, becomes two suns. Will there be any difference between the first sun and the second sun? Sun planet, I am not talking about S-O-N, I am talking about S-U-N. So, well, there is no difference. Uh, then let the sun expand, many, many suns. All will have the same, um, same potency, same identity. So that is what Krishna is. No difference between him and his incarnations, but he is the origin, original Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, that is what has been established as Adi Purusham. Adi means primal, Adi means original, from whom all the other incarnations have come. So, <clears throat> this is how uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu actually established uh, these uh, points. Krishna is the original Supreme Personality of Godhead. Krishna, which Krishna? Question arises, which Krishna? Krishna, the son of Nanda Maharaj. Aradha Bhagavan, Brajeshwatanai. Brajeshwatanai, the son of Brajeshwatanai, Nanda Maharaj. And Stadhamo Vrindavanam, his abode is Vrindavan. Stadhamo Vrindavan. And in Vrindavan, Ramma Kachidupashana Brajabodhu Vargena Jakarputa. The way the cowherd themselves worship Krishna, the way the cowherd themselves express their devotion to Krishna, that is the highest form of devotion. That is the highest form of worship. Upashana. The word Upashana means worship. The highest way to worship, highest form of worship of Krishna is the way the gopis worship him. Gopis serve him. Now do we find gopis doing arati to Krishna and fanning Krishna in that way in the temple? No. They are simply expressing their love. So the highest way, the most profound way 
to serve Krishna is with our love from the heart. And that love goes to the extent when one doesn't care about anything else. Like gopis, they were married women, many of them. They had children. They had other considerations. And for a woman, for a married woman to fall in love with someone else is very disgraceful. But the gopis didn't care for that. So that is the highest form of worship. Like when one doesn't care for anyone else, the, the gopis didn't care for their husbands, the gopis didn't care for their children. When Krishna, when they heard Krishna's flute, they dropped their children and ran. Some gopis were serving their husbands. They forgot their husbands, ran for Krishna. From the material point of view, no, no, that's not right. But when it comes to Krishna consciousness, that's the highest devotion. And in that respect, I uh, give an example that many of you, male devotees, you have your wives. When they become devoted to Krishna, do you get upset about it? Or you feel proud about it? How many of you get upset about it? Let me first see how many of you are married. Raise your hand. And no one, none of you feel upset about it. That your wife is running after Krishna. <laughs> and how many of you feel proud about it? That your wives are devotees of Krishna. Right. So this is the proof. Is there anything immoral? No. Well, and when your wife displays such devotion that she drops her child and runs after Krishna, then what do you do? You pick up the child and take care of the child. So, <clears throat> that is the uh, unique love that the gopis displayed for Krishna. Of course, I am not proposing that the ladies, you drop your children, you drop your husband. When you come to that intense loving relationship that gopis had for Krishna, then maybe you can do it, but not now. Because you haven't reached that stage. So, so this is how Sanatana Goswami has presented. Actually, these Goswamis have made us understand what is the teachings of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as I mentioned yesterday, that he didn't write anything besides Shikshashtakam. The only thing he wrote is Shikshashtakam, just eight verses. But his teachings have been established with the basis of the scriptural evidences by the Goswami. Nana Shastra Vicharinaika Nipuno Sadharma Sangsthapako. 
Nipuno means very expertly. Very expertly. Nana Shastra Vicharena. Consulting various scriptures. Sadharma Sangsthapako. Establish the ultimate religion. The absolute religion. Sadharma. That's what the Goswamis have done. Mahaprabhu didn't write. Mahaprabhu didn't give the evidence. Oh, this is the scriptural evidence. That's the scriptural evidence. When he spoke, he did. But he did not uh, record that. The recording has been done um, by the Goswamis. Sadharma Sangsthapako. Why did they do that? Lokanam Hitokarinam. For the benefit of everyone. Lokanam Hitokari. For the benefit of others. So that we can understand what is what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave. For our understanding and for our conviction. We become convinced, yes, we found the best. And that should be our stand. We found the best. And when you find the best, then do you try to do you compromise with anything else? Huh? No. And that's why often I huh, make, often I say huh, that I have been in Krishna consciousness movement for 40 years now. And when I decided to join, I didn't really decide to join. When I decided to shave up my head, I thought I'll give it two months. If I don't like it, my hair will grow and I can leave. But I tell you that two months didn't come to an end as yet. And it'll never come to an end. I hope that it never comes to an end. And for 40 years, I have been studying Krishna Consciousness, I have been comparing Krishna, I mean I am presenting Krishna Consciousness and in the course of time I have been exposed to other doctrines and things and what did I find? Nothing comes anywhere near Krishna Consciousness. Nothing comes anywhere near what Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave us. And that's why I boldly declare, I make a challenge, I may boldly declare for 40 years I have been practicing it and I am open. I had been open. If there is anything better than this, greater than this, then please give it to me, I will take, take that. I am prepared to give up this if there is something better. And in last 40 years I haven't found anything like better than this. And I know there is nothing better than this. That's why I make this point. If you have anything better, come and give it to me. And that is what Sri Chaitanya Mahasri, Sri Sanatan Goswami established through Bihar Bhagavatam. The best devotees are the gopis. Ramma Kachi Dupashana Brajabhutu Vargena Jarkodita. The way the cowherd damsels rendered their service, that's the highest form of worship. And out of them, 
Shrimati Radharani's position is the highest. So, specifically, uh, Srila Sanatana Goswami established that point. The unique and absolute, uniquely absolute position of Srimati Radharani. So, that is why we are here and consulting this teaching of Shukhita. So, yesterday we started off with Chilu Rupa Goswami. Rupa Goswami, as you know, was the brother, younger brother of Chilu, Sanatana Goswami. Sanatana Goswami, and Rupa Goswami were two very, very exalted personalities. They, the, they were two ministers of the Muslim king of Bengal. Now we can consider their brilliance. So the Muslim Nawab appointed them in this most important position. Generally, a Muslim Nawab would what do want to do what? Muslim Nawab would want to have a Muslim in that position. But instead of appointing the Muslims in that exalted position, why did he appoint Sanatana Goswami and Guru Goswami to Hindu Brahmanas? That shows how brilliant he must have been. And through their discussions also we can see. Right. <coughs> King Hushensa, uh, when Sanatan Goswami stopped going to the stopped going to the Darbar assembly of the king. The, the king generally every day take care of the royal affairs with his ministers in the assembly. And that is what they used to do. And Sanatana Goswami, naturally as a minister, chief minister, he has to go and take that position in the court of the royal court. And Sanatana Goswami, after meeting Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he stopped going. So the King Husamsa inquired why Sanatana is not coming, why he is not present today. So he sent his man to Sanatana. So Sanatana, he found Sanatana Goswami replied, I am not well. I am not. I am sick. So, so King immediately sent the royal physician, Raj Vaidya, the king's doctor. Okay, go and treat him. The doctor came and treated Sanatana Goswami and reported to the king, he was sick, he's alright. So the king, <coughs> a little upset, why he was lying? He's not, so he himself went. And when he went, he found that Sanatana Goswami is surrounded by some other Brahmanas. They are discussing Srimad Bhagavatam. 
And King said, what's the matter? You said you are sick. And now I am seeing that you are perfectly alright, you are discussing Bhagavad Gita. Goswami told him that I am sick of my materialistic life. So please allow me to retire. I am not fit for that life anymore. I don't have any interest in that. The king uh, used to love Sanatana Goswami. Uh, as I mentioned yesterday, he was a very ferocious person. Very cruel, very, very violent, otherwise. But to Sanatana Goswami, his relationship was so deep. He told Sanatana Goswami that if you resign, then what is going to happen to the kingdom? Your brother is a bandit. Meaning he is talking about himself. Your elder brother is a bandit. He goes, plunders places, loots people, kills people. And you are the same one who is managing the affairs of the king. So if you resign, then what will happen to the king? So Sanatana Goswami said, please, please don't insist, please allow me, allow me to go. The king said, nothing to me. Come with me. I am going to Odisha to fight with the king there. Sanatana Goswami said, no, I don't want to go. You will give trouble to the Lord and his devotees there. I don't want to be a part of The king became very upset. And when I come back, then I will judge him. Saying that, he left for voice. So this shows how much love and dependence and confidence the king had on Sanatana. And that shows how exalted a personality Sanatana Goswami was. What a brilliant personality. So, and his brother, Rupa Goswami, also equally. And Rupa Goswami left home and he started for Vrindavan. He knew that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going to go to When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met them in Gaudan, in Ramkeli village, that is where they used to live. And from there Mahaprabhu left for Vrindavan. But so many people were following him that Mahaprabhu didn't want to go to Vrindavan. He was going to go to Vrindavan to go back. So Seeing the place of Krishna's pastime, remembering Krishna's pastime. But now, if so many people are following him, I sometimes think, I mean, that will become very, very disturbing, and we won't have a peace of mind. Therefore, Sanatana Goswami decided not to go. And he came back to Jagannath. And then from Jagannath Puri, he decided to go alone. Nishanda Prabhu said, no, no, take some companion with you. 
So, due to his insistence, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took one from Balavati. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu traveled to Vrindavan to the forest of Hari. The forest of Madhya Pradesh. Now, now it is not actually Madhya Pradesh. It's part of the Anyway, Mahaprabhu took that boat to the forest and he went. And then, when he was returning, he stopped in Ilava. No, he went via Ilava. From Ilava, he went. To and when he was going, then he met Shiva. He met on the return, he met Sanatana Goswami. Anyway, so he met Rupa Goswami. Rupa Goswami and his brother Anupam came to Allahabad Prayag and there they saw Chaitanya. He was going to see the Lord. And in the temple, and he was chanting. And when he was going, then and many people have followed Rupa Goswami and his brother Anupam after the Vaishnavism. And since then, Rupa Goswami was with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu all the time, as long as he was there. So, uh, when the Lord saw Rupa Goswami offering obeisances before him, he became very much pleased and asked him to get up. The Lord then informed Rupa Goswami of the causeless mercy of Krishna. Very important thing to remember. Why did Chaitanya Mahaprabhu say that Krishna has been very merciful? Because now that he has developed his love for Krishna, now that he is developing his devotion to Krishna, now his materialistic life is We can take this the other way around. Now that we have found Krishna consciousness, Let's get rid of our materialistic That point I made yesterday, that don't keep your anchor here and try to move forward. Lift the anchor, at least those of you who can. Actually everybody can. It is not that you have to, those who are householders, it may be difficult for them, but it is not that you have to, you have to leave home and go away. When you, lifting anchor doesn't mean huh, that, that leaving materialistic world, leaving your family responsibility. No, huh, lift the anchor in your heart 
don't remain attached to them, to the members. Uh, rather, try to see them through Krishna and this is how you develop your attachment to Krishna. What you have to give up is Aham Mameti, me and mine. Now who is that me? As long as we think that this me is this body with his subtle body of mind, intelligence and false ego, yes, then we are materially attached. But when we see me as servant of Krishna, then that becomes the perfect situation. Don't shrug off the responsibility that you have, but look at the responsibility in the light of Krishna consciousness. Your house, let it become Krishna's house. Your family members, let them become Krishna's family members. So see, all you have to do is just bring Krishna before you and see things in the light of Krishna consciousness. Then everything will become perfect. Everything will become achievable. The anchor will be lifted and you make spiritual advancement. That is the purpose. Prabhupada didn't want us to become irresponsible. Those days there were not so many householders in ISKCON. And Prabhupada always reminded the householders to be responsible. Respond, be responsible. Execute your responsibility with Krishna consciousness. Make your family members, like your, those days the wives also were devotees. The Prabhupada's thing was, bring up your children in a Krishna conscious way, so that they become good devotees of Krishna. So this is how Prabhupada directed. And today our society has become full of householders. Most of the members today are householders. And the point is, execute your household responsibility properly with Krishna consciousness. So, <clears throat> from that moment on, wherever Lord went, Rupa Goswami followed him. He followed Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, wherever Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went. And then, because the Lord felt inconvenienced in the crowded places. He felt that he wanted to instruct Rupa Goswami. But when you are surrounded by so many people, you cannot really properly teach. Therefore, he decided to go to a ghat. On the bank of the river Jamuna, there was this place called Dashashana that place must have been very quiet those days because it's quite far from the city. And there, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started to instruct. 
چلو خلاص and yesterday we briefly discussed i'll just reiterate uh, that also what we discussed yesterday once again that chaitanya mahaprabhu pointed out that there are various innumerable living and they can be first classified into two categories moving and non moving in the non moving category uh, not only the trees and plant come even the uh, rocks and boulders and hills and mountains are also following that they are also living in it like we know himalaya binda mountain they are all personality although they are not moving they are stationed at one place Anyway, at least with our direct perception, we can see that how the trees and plants are living. Are the trees alive? The trees are also. The plants are also alive. the life has six symptoms but let us consider a tree a seed falls on the ground and under certain condition the seedling comes out the tree is born is the tree born now huh? the tree is born so birth is the first symptom of life second symptom is growth from seedling it started to grow and it became a fully grown tree then change the trees have such lush green foliage but in autumn the leaves fall in or in india autumns are not so vivid but now is actually autumn but in india the leaves become even greener in autumn because it comes after monsoon but in the west we see that in west there are only four seasons summer autumn winter spring So in autumn the leaves fall. Then in spring the new leaves come, and then comes the flowers. Change, changing the bare tree without leaves. All of a sudden it became full of leaves and so many flowers. and then gradually the flowers turn into fruits and then in the fruits there are seeds and when these seeds fall new trees are born reproduction the fourth symptom is reproduction but growth change 
reproduction. From one tree, many other trees come. And then decay. The tree that was so young and flourishing, it started to become old, decay. And then death. Wherever there is life, the six symptoms must be there. Birth, growth, change, reproduction, decay, death. You can take an insect, you can take a reptile, you can take a bird. So, uh, this is how living entities are there. There are so many living entities. Out of them, some are stationary at one place and some others are moving. That's the first category. The living entities, those who are moving, they are also various categories. Worms, insects. Does a worm move? Yes. Insect, reptile, birds and so forth. And then also there again three categories. Those who are flying, birds, those who are on the land, and those who are in water, moving, living. And then out of them gradually they display various degrees of consciousness. And in the topmost region of that consciousness is the human being. And out of them, out of those human beings, mostly they are trying to enjoy in this material nature. Everyone is trying to enjoy in this material nature. But out of them, few take to spiritual life. And those who take to spiritual life, some take to spiritual life for material enjoyment. Spiritual, but what is the, they're accepting the spiritual course, spiritual path, but what is the objective? Dhanang dehi, janang dehi, itti dehi, this dehi, that dehi. Give me wealth, give me fame, give me big position and so forth. Give me, give me. So they are called, but still it is good that they are following the path of religion, following the path of the Vedas. They are trying to enjoy following the Vedic. But then some, after recognizing that this place is a, is a place of suffering, they want to get rid of, they, can, they want to get out of this place. They are called Gyanis. Karmi and Gyanis. The Karmis try to enjoy the fruits of their actions, 
and Ganes want to get out of this material nature and achieve liberation. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu pointed out that both of them are not in perfect situation, proper situation. The real proper situation is to be situated on the platform of devotional service. Those who try to become liberated without surrendering to Krishna, they cannot become liberated. Their effort is simply a waste of time. Liberation without Krishna consciousness is not real liberation. For the time being, they can be elevated to the close to the spiritual platform, but then they'll fall down. Jayanne Aurobindaksha Bimukta Maninas Tajasta Bhavad Abhishuddha Buddhayo Arujya Krichena Param Padam Tata Patanti Adha Anadrita Yushmadangrai. Bhagavatam is giving their situation. Je Anna Aravindaksha. Those who have disregarded the lotus eyed Supreme Personality of God, those who are trying to aspire for liberation without surrendering to the lotus feet of the Lord, Vimukta Maninas, aspiring for liberation. Mukti, Vimukta Maninas, Tajasta Bhavad, Abhishuddha Buddha. Their mentality, Buddhi, their intelligence is contaminated. And Arunchakrichena, by performing austerities, they may be elevated, Parampadamta, almost close to the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of God, Supreme Spiritual Situation. Why? Because they have disregarded your lotus feet. So that way we can see that without surrendering to the Supreme Personality of Godhead, there is no possibility of achieving liberation. It's impossible. They may be elevated to some extent, but they will fall down. On the other hand, when one surrenders unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then he is immediately liberated. For him, liberation is very easy. And that's why a devotees don't even worry about liberation. Because what's the point in being liberated? What, else, what shall I get in being liberated? If I am not able to serve, the lotus feet of the Lord. As Bhakti Vinod Thakur saying, Kito Janamoho Jathatua Dash Bohir Mukho Brahmo Janame Naitu Ash. 
They should be born as an insect in the association of devotees. I may be born as an insect, but if I get the association of devotees, uh, then that is desirable. But Bohil Mukha Brahmo I do not want to become born as Brahma if that life is Krishna Bohil is averse to Krishna consciousness. This can also mean uh, that I don't desire for Brahman realization because that is averse to Krishna consciousness. Now we can consider this point. This material nature has been compared to a prison house. Now who are the prisoners? Does the king send somebody to the prison because he doesn't like his faith? Or the king sends somebody to the prison? Why does the king send somebody to the prison? Why somebody is imprisoned? Because he, because he broke the law. The laws are given by the king and when somebody breaks the law, that is the crime. That means somebody, when he disregards, disregards the order of the king, then he is put into prison. Now the prisoners are suffering in the prison. But if a prisoner, being advised by somebody, tells him, that look, this is the reason why you are suffering in the prison. Why don't you surrender to the king? And he does that. He says, yes, I'll surrender myself to the king. So when he sends his appeal to the king, please forgive me. Please forgive me for my mistakes. Then what will the fair and just king do? The just king then will inform the prison authority that look, this person has appealed to me. It seems that he, rec he recognizes his mistakes and he rectifies them. He is rectifying them. So watch him. So then, the prison authorities, when they see that this person has become obedient to the king, loyal to the king, then what will they do? Will they treat him and beat him up in the prison? Will, will punish them or treat them nicely, treat him nicely? Oh, he is submitting to the king. So he is becoming king's man. So, then they start to treat him in a facilitated way. Oh, give him nice facilities. He is becoming good. And then they roll him up, they present him as a role model for other prisoners to see. That, see, he surrendered to the king and look at the facilities he is getting. If you also do that, you will also get the same facility. You won't be treated like a criminal. You will be treated like king's man. 
and then finally when the prisoner the king sees that this person has become totally rectified then the king tells the prisoner now release him and the king sends his own car to pick him up from the prison bring him to his palace and king says now you stay with me so does this analogy make sense how many of you got it raise your very good so so this is our situation like which is the prison house the material nature who are the criminals who are the criminals here thank you <laughs> so we are the criminals why are you being huh? why we are present imprisoned in this material prison house why because huh, we have disregarded the king bohir mukh krishna bohir mukh hoya bhagavan cha kare nikotastho maya tare japotiya khade being averse to krishna meaning bohir mukh the word means of being averse but the bengali word has a very very uh, appropriate connotation to that the turning one's face away from krishna when you turn your face away from krishna then who do you see krishna's external energy the moment you turn your face away from krishna who are you seeing krishna's external energy maya tare japotiya khari very tightly grabs him okay you prisoner now come and suffer <laughs> that is our situation just one mistake we turned our face away from krishna and as a result of that turning our face away from krishna mean instead of serving krishna we wanted to lord over krishna so that's why we are imprisoned and now we have to rectify our perverted condition so we have to somebody comes we are we are suffering in the material nature we were suffering in the material nature and somebody comes and tells that look as broken do why you suffer i vividly remember my encounter with you broken in that respect broken told me for many many lifetimes we have been trying to enjoy and you can see you still not satisfied so just surrender just offer yourself to krishna just one lifetime just offer this life to krishna so that is what a devotee informs us just offer this life to krishna become his son and krishna sees that okay now he wanted to surrender so krishna informs the prison authorities now who are the prison authorities huh 
prison authorities are the demigods and the chief of those authorities is Maya Devi. <laughs> so then, these demigods start to offer various facilities to him. No more a prisoner. Although you are in the prison, but you are not treated like a prisoner. That is the situation of a devotee. So although he is in the prison, he has become liberated. He has become free from his imprisonment. Why? Because he surrendered unto Krishna. So now you see why a devotee doesn't have to separately aspire for liberation. He is already liberated. The prison authorities are treating him not like a criminal. Now they are treating him like a devotee. But Maya Devi puts, into, puts one into test. Oh, okay, let's see. How much you want enjoyment or service to Krishna? There are only two options. Enjoy your senses or serve Krishna. So you want to enjoy? Come, come, enjoy. And bang, she gives a clap. Still you don't wake up. No, I let me enjoy, let me enjoy. So that's the test that every devotee has to go through. Like we have to see Maya's test and try to pass the test. And as we pass the test, we make advancement. Maya says, come, dhanam. And we fall for dhanam. Gone. Our spiritual life is now in turmoil. But yes, Maya gives dhanam. Use it in Krishna's term. So the way to pass Maya's taste is that the facilities that Maya will give, we have to turn them into Krishna's service. Idam Krishnaya. No, Mama. This is for Krishna. Facilities will come, but our business should be to offer them to Krishna. So this is how we make advancement in spiritual life. And the more we advance, the greater becomes our joy from within. Materially, people are trying to enjoy through their sense gratification. But the real enjoyment comes in rendering service unto Krishna. So that is what uh, material, uh, that is how we become free from our material bondage. <coughs> and finally, uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, started to instruct different types of, different levels of devotion, the devotion to Krishna is rendered in five different mellows. 
those five different mellows are five different relationships that we develop or develop with Krishna through our devotional There, in neutrality, servitorship, friendship, parental, and conjugal. Santya, Dasya, Sakya, Vatsalya, and Madhur. In these five relationships, in five emotions, in five types of mellows, we develop our relationship. Neutrality. At that stage, one is uh, absorbed in just thinking about Krishna's activity. But then Dasya, at that stage, there is servitorship. So they are gradually becoming more and more elevated, more and more deep, more and more intense in the service of Krishna. Dasya is superior to Shantaras. The next is Sakya. Sakyaras is superior to Dasyaras. The next to that is Vatsalya. Parental. Parental is more advanced or uh, superior to Sakyaras. And then finally, Madhu, conjugal relationship. A relationship like that of between a boy and a girl, young boy and young girl. That is the highest form. Sarupa Goswami pointed out about those five types of relationships in five different mellows. These are called Thai Bhav, they are constant. Those who are in servitorship mellow with Krishna, they are happy just serving Krishna. Then uh, the friends of Krishna, they are just happy being with Krishna, serving Krishna as a friend. Playing with them, playing with Krishna. Then parental, the father, those who are like father and mother of Krishna, they are happy just being the father and mother of Krishna. And then the gopis who actually love Krishna, as a young girl, just as a young girl falls in love with a young boy. And jar jai rosh hai Whatever one's original mellow is, that is the highest. Those who are in sakharas, they are not saying, oh, no, sakharas is not good enough. I want to be in vatsalya, parent. No, vatsalya is not good enough. I want to be in madhu. No, it is not a matter of that. This rasas, the situation will be given to us by Krishna. We will, from within, we will develop this attachment. And this attachment will develop by being attached to one of Krishna's associates in Vrindavan. When we hear Krishna's pastime, when we meditate on Krishna's pastime, then naturally we will find some attachment. 
to some particular resident of Vrindavan. And accordingly, we will develop our relationship. So, this, that's why these are called Sai Sai means constant, stack, constant, fixed. And then there are Sanchari Bhavas. Sanchari means moving. There's moving melodies. They're not constant, but they're enhancing those five principal moments. The secondary moments, their hasya, humor, adhut, wonder, surprise, vira, chivalry, rodra, anger, ayana, fearsome, vibhatsya, ghastly, and gorum, pathos. So these are the seven secondary mellows. The secondary mellows enhance the reciprocation and provide the joy of the mellows. So in this way, Rupa Goswami, uh, I'm sorry, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu instructed Rupa Goswami about devotion, how rare it is, and then he will take him to gradually to the highest platform of developing the loving relationship with Krishna in one of those mellows. And then through that relationship we experience the ecstasy, the ocean of ecstasy. Hare Krishna, go Does anybody now I am open to the question? Okay, this time I will take five questions from this side, five from this. If you have, I'll, I am limiting the questions because uh, when I get too many questions, I cannot, I mean, it takes up uh, too much time and I am not able to properly uh, answer them, right? I would rather take limited questions and elaborate the answer. <coughs> And if you have questions, you can write them down. If you have some vital questions, then you can give them. I'll have one question after session, just for that, a common question. <coughs> this is from uh, Nimai Sundar Das, uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, Tandavat Pranam. Lord Krishna and Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is representing the same thing, that is, Satatam Kirtanyantamam and Kirtanya Sadakari. So, what does it mean to chant always, all the time? As I see my low state, it seems impossible to follow this feeling. Yeah. So, 
two ways we can approach that uh, question. One is like Haridas Thakur. He was chanting all the time. And that was his only occupation. He developed such love and attachment to the Holy Name that all he wanted to do is chant the Holy Name. And it has been described by Rupa Goswami that when one develops the taste for the Holy Name, what happens to him? Tunde Tandavini Bitanute Tundavali At that time, when the Holy Name dances on his tongue, he wishes to have many, many tongues. Tundavali And when the Holy Name enters through his ears, Karna Kroda Kadambini Bhatayate Karnambhuti at that time he wishes to have millions of years. So when one is in that state, do you think he will think of anything else? He will be completely absorbed in just chanting. And that is one state of Kirtan. But until we reach that stage, this stage cannot be artificially obtained. It has to happen naturally. But practice is necessary. So, <clears throat> now the other way of Kirtanya Sadhamari is Shavanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam. These three activities also constitute Hari Kirtan. When we are chanting the holy name, that's the time we are chanting. When we are telling about Krishna to others, we are chanting. Kirtan. When we are hearing about Krishna, that is also Kirtan. And when we are remembering Krishna, that's also Kirtan. So until we reach that stage of developing the taste for the holy name, then at least we can try uh, to become absorbed in these activities. Preach to others about Krishna. Listen to what others are uh, preaching about Krishna, speaking about Krishna. And remembering Krishna. Manmanabhava. Hmm. So this is how it can also be Kirtanya Sadhara. Okay. So what does it, okay, what is chanting in real sense or real chanting? Real chanting is chanting without offenses, pure chanting. And this pure chanting will give Krishna prayer. That is the real chanting. That's why it's so important to remember the ten offenses. Does it differ from individual to individual or same for all? So as I explained, it's not same for all. It will differ from individual to individual. And those who haven't developed a taste for the holy name that he can chant like Haridas Thakur all the time, let them go out and preach. Let them go out and preach. 
And preaching is so wonderful. Preaching is so interesting. Preaching can be so exciting. So let's become absorbed in. And now if we can't preach like that, then at least let's listen. Whatever we are doing, we can be absorbed in listening. And then we can also remember Krishna's past. This question is from Devarshi Devarshi Radhika. Where is Devarshi? Okay. Um, dear Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisances at your divine lotus feet. Following are my two questions from today's class. You mentioned that living entities are uh, living entities are what is trans? Uh, okay, you mentioned stratified. Okay. Separated, stratified into moving and non-moving. The non-moving entities include even hills and rocks, etc. Is the understanding of the six symptoms of life also applicable to such entities? Yes, like Govardhan. Right? He is the son of the mountain, another mountain. Right? And, but the thing is, non living entities do not display that symptoms so vividly. Like Govardhan is changing, you know, and Govardhan. A part of Govardhan is non-different from the rest of Govardhan. So that doesn't it show that Govardhan is a personality? And with non-moving, as I said, the, uh, you see, more static one becomes, more uh, difficult it becomes to, dis to see the change in them. But yes, the, this is a Vedic statement that all the living entities are subjected to these six symptoms. Then second question from yesterday's class. You had once mentioned that if one worships Krishna indirectly as a demigod and not as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one does not derive the utmost benefit of being Krishna conscious or being a Krishna devotee. Yeah, because the demigods are expansions of Krishna in a way. But by worshipping demigods we can get the material benefits, but the real spiritual benefits doesn't come through them. 
is like the example huh? the father is the head of the company chairman the son has reject, rejected the father right now when he comes back the father has his employees right the company in his company there are different executives and so forth now if the son comes back should he surrender to the father or should he surrender to the general manager of the company or the managing director of the company see the difference what is the position of such individuals the position of those individuals those who are worshiping the demigods they are karmakandis they are in the karmakanda platform they are karmis okay So next is Ananda Vrindavan Devi Dasi Ananda Vrindavan Okay <laughs> Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Maharaj please accept my most humble obeisances all glories to Shri Prabhupada I am a disciple of his holiness Shri Ramapada Swami and this is the first time I am attending your seminar in Ujjain it has been a very very enlivening and uplifting experience thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and your association my question relates to the topic of unity and loving relationship that you touched upon several times in your lectures i find that it is very easy and natural to develop relationship when there is a common service but iskon is a big organization and devotees are often engaged in different services how can we develop common threads of proper relationship between devotees even though we may be engaged or involved in different services or projects could you kindly speak something on this topic thank you your servant ananda vrindavan devidas Thank you very much, Ananda Vrindavan. You came from Chicago, yeah? yeah. Okay. Welcome to Jain. <laughs> Thank you, Hare Krishna. <clears throat> yeah, it's a very nice question. Like, yes, it's a very good point. First point is actually the best way to associate is through service. Through service is where we get the best association. otherwise it becomes a kind of a you know uh, unreal and sometimes sentimental right uh, but the real service begins with service and naturally as we mentioned that those who are engaged in same service they get uh, it's easier to get close to them or intimate with them but uh, so it is natural it will happen but your question is how do we develop relationships with those who are not in the same service we are not on the same uh, projects or same service or even same temple like then you know we have to see we have to see the broader 
పిక్చర్ అవి వేసుకొని ఇట్స్ అ ఫ్యామిలీ లైక్ ఎస్ యూ డెవలప్ యువర్ రిలేషన్షిప్ నాచురలీ విత్ దోస్ హు ఆర్ క్లోజ్లీ రిలేటెడ్ టు ద సేమ్ ప్రాజెక్ట్ బట్ దోస్ హు ఆర్ ఇన్ అదర్ ప్రాజెక్ట్స్ యూ హ్యావ్ టు సీ హౌ దే ఆర్ సర్వింగ్ ద ఇన్స్టిట్యూట్ ఆఫ్ ఇన్స్టిట్యూషన్ ఆఫ్ ఇస్కూల్ and this is how we have to broaden our vision and broaden our heart a little more to accommodate them also and in iskon i would say that our we have to see the main picture what is our main objective what is our main goal the main goal actually is to spread krishna consciousness all over the world in every town and village and when we see that picture then we get to see that we all are in the same project and that is how we develop our relationships with them right <laughs> and uh, so that's why we have to see that how different projects and how different devotees engaged in different project are actually serving the common purpose that is to spread krishna consciousness all over the world although our service may be different and in this respect sometimes i give an example of a football team in a football team 11 players i don't know what american football but are you familiar with football football <laughs> like indian football <laughs> or english football uh, that in that game there are 11 players and 11 players are playing from their respective position one is goalkeeper he is protecting the goal from uh, others from passing the ball through the goal post uh, then there are uh, full back then half back then forward line so the forward line's goal is to score goals in the other post and there also there are different uh, positions they are playing uh, different way the half back and full back are protecting the enemy attack protecting the goal from enemy attack so different individuals are playing different roles but they have only one objective how to protect their own goal and how to score in the other goal huh? now <clears throat> although they are playing different roles but they have one common objective that is how to pass the ball through their goal opposite opponent's goal post and protect our goal protect uh, the balls from coming into our goal right so they have and they all are playing from their respective position to achieve the same mission same purpose and that is the example often i think of when i think in terms of unity in diversity we are diverse in our situations in our service but we are united with a common cause that is how to spread krishna
The next question is from Arti. <laughs> Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my humble obeisance. Glorious to Srila Prabhupada. Gurudev, you mentioned that we are in prison, we are in prison house and the demigods provide the facilities for prisoners in the prison house to make his life better. Okay, I don't say that better. The demigods are taking care of the affairs here. Like in a prison, the prison authorities are taking care of the prison affairs. So demigods' role are something like that. But as we can observe today, the prisoners, human beings, having begun to enjoy the facilities and have forgotten about king and want to continue to stay in prison house, they are convinced and happy in the prison and don't care about listening about the king. So how do you help such a person, such a prisoner? Do you ask for more troubles so that you never forget or do you provide them with facilities? Yeah. <clears throat> good, very good question. So in the prison house, the, you see our role are the prisoners who have surrendered to the king. And are you feeling some, getting some facilities? Are you realizing some facilities are coming? Facilities are coming, anxieties are removed, right? When you surrender to Krishna, at least one thing happens is the anxiety is reduced. So we become free from anxiety. So, <clears throat> uh, when we get to see that, and then we also see that facilities are coming. So many facilities are coming. And realizing that, that the benefit of Krishna consciousness, one tries to tell that to others also. That is preaching. Now, preaching means reminding others about the facilities that he will get by surrendering to Krishna. That is the purpose of preaching. Surrender to Krishna and your life will become blissful. Why are you suffering? You are suffering so much. But some people, those who are intoxicated, they cannot be reminded. Therefore Prabhupada often used to use the word expression inabbreviated. Inabbreviated. That means drunk. Those who are drunk and those who, are, those who have lost their sanity and ability to reason, what can be done about that? We can, huh? when somebody is drunk, then what do you do? You give him something to come out of his drunken stupor, right? So to those people, we, to make them come out of their drunken condition, we give them Krishna Prashant. <laughs> we don't preach to them because we know that they are so you know, out of their minds that they won't be able to understand. So give them some Krishna Prashant. Let them come out of their drunken state. And then probably they'll be able to understand. So that is how we should try to 
convince those people or preach to them. And that asking for more trouble, you don't have to ask for trouble, trouble will come. <laughs> we simply have to face those troubles. In this material nature, one thing I can tell you, there is no dearth of troubles. So the troubles will come and let us face those troubles with Krishna consciousness. <clears throat> So, yeah. uh, this name is Radha Krishna Chand or Radha Krishna Chandra Das. Where is Radha Krishna Chandra Das? Okay. Now the question is, Maharaj, can you explain what is Haritoshanam? I did not understand from one of Prabhupada's audio CD. Hari means Krishna, Toshana means pleasing, to give pleasure. Hari Toshana means the activities that will give pleasure to Krishna. Neha, Syal, Neha, okay. Uh, Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj, please accept my gratitude and humble obeisances. My question to you is, why does Krishna show us a path to Buddhism as well as other processes and then re-establishes the philosophy gradually over again? As I mentioned yesterday, were you, there? you were there in the class yesterday. Krishna had to come as Lord Buddha to stop animal sacrifice. Okay. Now, the animal sacrifice was going on in the name of the Vedic injunction. Therefore, to stop that, he did not touch the Vedas. He created a new concept of religion. And that is Buddhism. But because at that time the Vedas were rejected, there was a need for re-establishing. And that is why that was done gradually. From that point, it couldn't be done, couldn't have been done straight away uh, from Buddhism to Sanatana Dharma. Therefore, had to go through Sankaracharyas, Kevala Daitavad, and other Vaishnavacharyas, uh, personalistic philosophy. All right. <clears throat> but when you get the highest, then do you have to go through the gradual course? Right. You get the highest. That's what is happening with Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's teachings. In this process, he defeats his own teachings like those you mentioned yesterday in the class. Not defeats. Huh? Gradually transcending those platforms. Right? See, for example, when you transcend from uh, uh, primary school to secondary, it's not that you are defeating primary school. You are transcending the primary school. That is how it has been taken. It has to be taken. Isn't this process limiting us to approach him? Now, as I say, when you got the highest relationship, uh, there is no question of going through those phases. 
like sometimes you know the promotions can come in a company like junior executive senior executive director uh, managing director uh, and so forth but if somebody is appointed as the managing director straight away does he still have to go through the junior executive senior executive and so forth so that is what is you got the highest so let's just accept it we don't need to go through different phases 